Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is your Sunday night, Monday morning rivalry show, the first one of 2024. My name is Pat. I am here with John and Joey. We moved things a little uh, around a little bit in terms of our lineups going into the new year. So this is going to be your Sunday night crew going forward, at least until the season starts. Um, lots of stuff to talk about, stuff that has been talked about with other crews on other episodes, but we have not addressed yet. Lots of Red Sox news over the past couple weeks. Um, we uh, have yet to speak on Yamamoto, John and I. So we've got to, a lot to get into. Uh, but before we do, I'm going to start, as I always do with these guys, checking in, see how they're doing. Uh, in the segment that we call First Pitch, John, I will go to you. Give me your first pitch. Well, Pat, uh, as a New York Giants football fan, my season ended today. It's been a rough couple years as a Giants fan. Yes, we won the Giants made the playoffs last year and even went as far as to win a playoff game. But this year, kind of a step back. And in typical Giants fashion, they couldn't even tank, right? Uh, they just really just kept that draft pick. They they could have been as high as a sec, the second pick in the NFL draft, and they just kept winning games, meaningless games, winning meaningless games, and they've pushed themselves back a couple spots. So the Giants need a quarterback. I don't even know if they're going to be able to get one. It doesn't look like the deepest quarterback draft in the NFL uh, history, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so it is kind of a bittersweet Sunday as the football season, the regular season comes to an end. Looking forward to the playoffs. And uh, my little prediction here is that I'm not counting the Chiefs out yet. It's still Patrick Mahomes. They still have Travis Kelsey. The NFL, I'm sure they want to script it. As we all know about the NFL script, they want Taylor Swift in the audience at the Super Bowl. So I think the NFL is going to go all out to make sure the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So right now, that's my pick. I think the NFL wants the Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl. So I think we're going to see an Eagles-Chiefs repeat. Joey, do you want to see Taylor Swift in the stands at the Super Bowl? Well, I've been feeling particularly artsy lately, but no, I'm not a I'm not a Taylor Swift guy. You know, girls have tried to get me to listen to Taylor Swift. I've had some songs sent to me like "This Reminds Me of You," and I I can't tell whether it's a negative or a positive dig at me. But uh, no, I'm not. I I think that whole thing's so silly. I, for me, the Taylor Swift thing snuck up on me. I, I, the only Taylor Swift songs I know are from like 10 years ago. Like, uh, I Knew You Were Trouble, like that sort of thing. I don't know any of the new ones. I don't remember her being a thing for the last 10 years. It's all sort of a blip to me. Anyway, on the topic of baseball, I, I think we're living in a very unique market today. I think we have the... <laughs> The most I'm so old. glad Joey's on the Sunday night show now that his pings can go off every 30 seconds while he's talking, while he's getting these Taylor Swift songs sent to him. Turn the ping off. <laughs> this is the most unique free agent market I can remember because it seems like all of the top free agents left, no one really wants them. It, 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 it totally feels that way. No one really wants Blake Snell. No one really wants Cody Bellinger. It, it, it's like this. This it's a it's a game of pretend. Everyone's too hesitant to sign them. Yamamoto signed three weeks ago. We all blamed him for the market sucking. Here we go. There's still nothing happening. Very weird. I, I've come to the conclusion that I think MLB should make January a a, a blank month, a dead month for free agency. Uh, maybe, you know, in February, if you want to sign right before spring training, you can do that. But January should just be off limits because this is going on too long. Players need to sign. I've never seen this before. It's just very odd. It seems like these players are just not as wanted as we think they are. As for uh, my personal life, things are going great. I'm back in college. I'm feeling good. I have some stories to tell the guys after the show is over, but I'm so happy to be recording with with Pat and John. And this is, and you're going to love this. This is now the A crew, the A show. You know, aren't you guys excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. I've, I've decided I'm naming tonight's episode. Uh, Pat is always proven right, or he will be proven right. 
So, Joey, I'm going to let you pick our first agenda topic tonight. Would you like to go with I was proven right or would you like to go with I will be proven right? Hmm, let me think. think. <laughs> uh, you have to the next thing to answer. Proven <laughs> <laughs> right. I think uh, let's do proven right because I, I want to examine your record. You know, uh, the Pat, the Pat, the Pat record, in my view, is pretty solid. Much better than Derek's and Luke's, which you have horrible. I mean, want to talk about you're 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 a teacher. Want to talk people giving people grades on their permanent? You ever talk about a permanent record? Do you threaten kids with the permanent record, Pat? Uh, I have nothing to do with them. Your permanent record is immaculate. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, and I truly, just to step in really quick, I truly do feel bad for Michael getting stuck now on the weekday show with Luke and Derek. I just poor guy. <laughs> Um, okay. So my proven right was Yamamoto to the Dodgers. Not, not the craziest. Okay. Like, it's not like I, I completely came up with this myself and I was, I was the lone guy, you know, saying this, like, you know, uh, people thought this was going to happen. The reason I would like to bring it up on tonight's show specifically is Joey was dead wrong. Um, Joey said, Yamamoto's not going to want to go to the place where he's the fourth best player he wants to be a superstar. He wants to be the best player on the team that he's on. And um, I said, that makes absolutely no sense. Why would a professional athlete not want to be on the best team that they could be on, uh, regardless of where they fall in the all-star votes? Uh, Joey, this was my, I was proven right. Too, too afraid to speak? Pat, you were proven right. No, you were proven right. I mean, I I don't think – I wouldn't say you had a unique hot take. I wouldn't say that. And, you know, if I know you attacked my perspective. I was just giving the perspective of a general athlete. I was trying to approach the problem from all angles, okay? And that's what I was doing. And now – was I right about the psyche of, of Yoshinobu Yamamoto? I was not right about his psyche. Or maybe I was. Maybe they offered him such an egregious amount of money that he was willing to go. So, you know, Pat, you have to think about that. Maybe he put his personal issues aside and decided to go to the Dodgers. But I'm glad he's there and not New York. It seemed like things were treading to the Yankees at some point. But Cashman screwed that one up. It seems like the Mets were used as a bidding piece in that deal. I don't know. It was unprecedented for a team to spend a billion dollars in one offseason. I didn't see it happening. I was proven wrong. But, Pat, you know, unprecedented thing. rules are meant to be broken. And you'll know that from enforcing all of the rules in your classroom, that there are teams and children that are constant rule breakers. And the Dodgers are one of them. John, you want to jump in here? Yes, so I did not get – I was not right because I predicted Yamamoto to the Mets. I thought the guy was going to be all about the money. I what, what I did say what the Yankees would do is they'd make a pretty solid offer, but they wouldn't get into a bidding war. So they'd say, here's our offer, take it or leave it, which sounds like that's what happened. Sounds like the Yankees offered 10 years for $300 million and the Dodgers offered more. Uh, the one thing with the Mets, because I did keep saying, I think he's going to the Mets. I think he's he's just all about the money. Like Joey mentioned, he they clearly used the Mets to jack up the price on the Dodgers. And I have to give the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, some credit there because it sounds like once he realized that's what they were doing, he's like, oh, forget it then. I'm not going to offer you any more money because it sounded like, to my understanding from what I read, he was getting an offer from the Dodgers, taking it back to the Mets. Get an offer from the Dodgers, take it back to the Mets. And Steve Cohen's like, slow down, pal. Like, I'm not doing you any favors, so... You like here's my offer. If it, I'll match what the Dodgers are giving you, but I'm not exceeding what the Dodgers are giving you. So I got to give him credit there. Uh, I know everybody. There's a lot of owners that didn't want to see that guy in baseball because they thought he just started spending money like crazy. Uh, I have to give him credit for picking up pretty early on that he was just being used and saying, "All right, fine. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'll match the Dodgers' offer. You're going to sign here, or you're not." And uh, you know. As far as the Dodgers are concerned, just the way they're throwing around money this year is insane. And I, I'm going to ask you guys this question because I thought about it a couple days ago and I didn't even think to put it in the agenda. 
the Dodgers just spent a billion dollars in free agency. How many World Series do they need to win for this to be worthwhile? Because you can't tell me it's one. If they win one, that's a billion dollars for one World Series, and even two, two, it's five hundred million dollars for two World Series. For you guys, how many World Series do the Dodgers have to win to make these contracts worthwhile? I mean, this I don't I don't remember the Yamamoto years off the top of my head. Um, if someone does, you can help me out. Feel free to help me out. Twelve. Well, it was twelve years. Yeah, and and Shohei's ten. I mean, three. I mean, you gotta go three. You divide that by three. That's three hundred something. That's that's a Mets payroll for you. Three over the next ten years. That's not that's that hasn't been done in a while. I mean, that Giants, um, the Giants dynasty in the early twenty tens. They did three over the course of five years. They won every other year. Um, but that's not easy to do, not guaranteed. That's what's so crazy about, to your point, John, that's what's so crazy about. Yeah. In my view, oh, go ahead, uh, they have to, have- oh, go ahead. We're mixing up here. Oh, I think Joey's out no, of no, a you go a ahead, Pat, the, the, the audio is just being, okay, sure. you go ahead. Um, the, uh, what's so crazy about this sport is it is not the team with the best players wins. It's just not, it's too it's too close for. I think in most other sports you could say that that is the case. I don't think that you could say that is the case in baseball. And so, like, yeah, they're going to have four of the five, ten best players in the league, um, assuming Yamamoto is the guy that we think he's going to be. And um, we're still like, I don't know. Maybe it could also just be like the Diamondbacks. <laughs> you know, like, no guarantees. It. it- that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like there's so much riding on this, and there's so much potential for injury because we've seen so many Japanese pitchers come over here, adjust to the different kind of ro- the different rotation, adjust to the different ball. They've, you know, I can only imagine how many innings Yamamoto's already got on his arm. Show his two Tommy Johns deep. I mean, both of these contracts yeah. go bust. They spend a billion dollars, and they could really only have one World Series to show. I think they'll at least win one. But if that's one World Series to show for it, they're going to be looked at and mocked. I mean, we look at the Braves of the 90s. like They were in the World Series nearly every year, but they only won one. So people kind of look like they underachieved. I think we're going to be looking back in a few years saying, well, the Dodgers really kind of blew that one. So you want to hear Joey's hot take on this? My hot take is that the Dodgers aren't going to win one. That is a I don't think they'll win a single World Series in the next five years. And I think in order for the deals to be worth it, Pat, I don't even think they would need to win just three. They would have to win three in five or six years. It would have to be a dynasty. Not three over 12 years. It would have to be three in five or six years. Three over 12 years is basically what the Red Sox did in 04, 07, and 13. It it would have to be a and just just think about it. Shohei is only going to hit. He's getting older. Yamamoto. They drive Japanese in in Japan. They drive their pitchers into the ground. Okay, they throw them into the ground. They pitch like two hundred something innings. They let them throw hundred and eighty pitches. They did the same thing to Dice K. He's not going to be pitching like this for twelve years. Okay. I think their pitching rotation is weak anyway. Glasnow isn't going to pitch more than 120 innings. Kershaw's not going to come back till August, and they're going to have to treat him like a baby anyway when that happens. I don't see a World Series team. And Mookie's, Mookie's, I think, out of his prime at this point, maybe. I think he's heading out of it. So unless they make a big move and win in the next one or two years, I don't think they're going to win anything at any time. So that that's my take on the Dodgers. I think they're gonna have a lot of bad contracts. I do think uh, what's happened this season is going to prompt the MLBPA, or not the MLBPA, but the MLB as a whole, to do something about the deferred money. The the, the deferred money thing is gonna get changed because it it wasn't changed because a move like this was unprecedented. But the idea of a team deferring seven hundred million dollars, or you know, six hundred million or six fifty, is insane, and they'll change that because the small market teams, number one, and what it does to a value of a franchise, they'll change it. So I think the Dodgers have achieved achieved two things: they've ruined whatever that loophole was on deferring money. They've blown that one up, 
And then number two, I think they've bought themselves a good two or three years, and they're going to be in serious, serious, serious trouble. But the good thing is the Dodgers have pretty much po- uh, pointed at every other baseball team in the chest and said, put up or shut up. Everyone looks like a loser compared to them right now. I mean, no teams, big market, small market, medium market, look even competitive with the Dodgers. But will they win the big one? No. I, I don't. Uh, Otani's never been to the playoffs. Mookie's bad in the playoffs. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to be a rookie, and he's never played in the MLB playoffs before either. I, I, I don't see them doing very well. I mean, I see them doing well as in like winning a division. I don't see them doing well in a deep playoff run. That's my opinion. I will say the deferred money thing is so tricky because it's not that there's a loophole. It's not like no one mentioned it. No, there is a specific thing in in the um, in the agreement. The exact term is not coming to me right now. I'm having that kind of night. Um, that there is specific verbiage that um, they cannot limit the amount of money that is deferred. He could have taken. I mean, he took two million a year. He could have taken one dollar if he wanted to. He could have taken one dollar a year if he felt like it. And um, I don't feel like, you know, you're going to see guys do stuff like this and, and be happy as a clam. I don't think the union's going to be too too eager to, um, the MOBPA is going to be too eager to change that in the next uh, uh, collective bargaining. That's the term I was looking I actually disagree. And this is why. I think what's going to happen is this whole uh, deferred money thing is going to become a poison pill. Teams are going to go to players and say, hey, well, I'll give you the 100, like like Devers, Devers, I'll give you the 300 million, but it's going to be, half of it's going to be deferred, or two thirds of it are going to be deferred. And there's going to be players getting offers from teams with deferred money 30, 40, 50 years down the road, and they're going to hate it. And they're going to force uh, players with a smaller market. So let's just say like, let's use like a Hunter Renfro. They're going to force players like Hunter Renfro or whatever to instead of taking one year, 10 million, they're going to say, okay, one year, 10 million, but it's going to be deferred for over 10 years. I think that will end up being a problem. I think that rabbit's out of the hat now. I could totally be wrong, but I can see how the players union would get angry about it. Because if you have a bunch of lower and middle range guys being forced to take long money instead of short money, it's going to bother people. And then I'd also think that probably the agents wouldn't be too particularly happy about that because I would assume the agents are getting their cut till f- further down the road. So they might be telling the players, yeah, like I'm on your side with this, but then siding with the owners when it comes to like the collective bargaining, like, okay, maybe we should try to fi- fix something, uh, fix something. Or I guess kind of to Joey's point, maybe it's the owners that are going to play along. I don't know. I can see how this is going to be a conflict of interest for all three sides, the ownership, the agents, and the players. Uh, it's going to be kind of like what Joey said. I hadn't thought about it like that yet, but it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I do also want to mention uh, a point that you brought up earlier, John, the the Mets. I, it doesn't seem like the Mets, I, I don't know, maybe they were all riding on Yamamoto, and if they got him, they were going to go full force. I don't know. But it does not seem like they're they're really going to try to be serious. I mean, Harrison Bader is not going to change anything for them. Um, it, it kind of looks like they're they're doing this uh, cleanup thing that they told Max Scherzer that they were going to do that they didn't really plan on being competitive until I think it was twenty twenty six. So maybe, maybe that would have been the case with Yamamoto. Yeah. Maybe they would have waited till his third year to pile everything on, but. Um, this, this Steve Cohen experiment of throwing a bunch of money at it didn't work. And it seems like he's backed away very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think if they had gotten Yamamoto, they would be all in. Cause then you kind of have to be, but when that didn't work out, it's not like they had the greatest market out there. Kind of like Joey said, like no one really wants Blake Sell, No one really wants Cody Bellinger. So uh, maybe the Mets, you know, they switched general managers. They brought in the guy, I think his name's David Stearns from the Brewers. So maybe he's just saying, all right, well, we missed out on Yamamoto. Maybe we'll, we, we'll all kind of reset for the moment. So I was a bit shocked because I didn't believe it when they said they were resetting. I'm like, come on, like this guy's got all that money. He's a fan like us. Like if one of us, if you two own the Red Sox or I own the Yankees and we had more money than the next three owners combined. I can only imagine what we'd be doing to win a World Series. So I just didn't believe it at the moment, but maybe it's really what's going on. 
Pat, would you like to co-own a baseball team with me, Pat? I, I, will, I would love to have all that money, and we could run the team together. And uh, I can tell you, we would not be thinking about shedding payroll ever, ever. Um, all right, Joey, you ready? Pat, I think you underestimate me. <laughs> I'm sure that I do. Um, are you ready for oh. hey, Pat, uh, Pat, says, Pat says we're going full throttle. <laughs> ah! uh, I think the minute I think the I think the minute I get the team, I'd be like, I think you're the, the same Kennedy here. Yeah. <laughs> you're the puppet. Um, okay. You can't delay any further. Here it is. Are you ready for, I will be proven right eventually. Okay. Let's hear it. I want to preface this with, and the they had an emergency Red Sox pod that was late in the night. I could not attend after the Vaughn Grissom, Chris Sale trade. And I listened to this episode and I listened to all, you know, Luke hosted. So it was about three hours long. I listened to all three hours. And um, I could not have disagreed with you all more. Now, my preface is, I am glad that we have Vaughn Grissom. I am. I'm not upset about our return in this deal. What, and I've been thinking about this for, you know, uh, at least a full week now. What makes zero sense to me is getting rid of a starting pitcher. Let me explain. Okay. They say we need starting pitchers. Everyone with eyeballs can agree, especially those like us who follow this team. Um, Every day. Joey has left uh, because he's so embarrassed to hear what I have to say. Um, but I will continue. Those of us who watch this team every day know that they need starting pitchers. They add, and they, what they really need is two. Uh, and, and I'm going to bring up Luke's all the time. They need two. Forget one. They need two. That's my Luke impression. Um, they add Lucas Giolito. That is plus one. Okay. We are one step closer to that, uh, that two that we need. Then they, they do this long Grissom Chris sale trade. I have no, nothing wrong with Grissom sale. Um, obviously stings a little bit um, just because, you know, it's always going to stink when the guy, you know, it doesn't matter what would happen to him, how great he's leaving or how terrible he's leaving. The guy who pitched the final out of a world series is, is going to be um, a guy that's tough to say goodbye to in some way. He leaves. We are now back to net zero on starting pitchers. We have gained one, and then we lost one. We have taken one step forward and then taken one step back. And it is easy to say, oh, well, they're not done. If they go get Jordan Montgomery, they go get uh, Blake Snell, they trade for Dylan Cease, they uh, sign James Paxton, then uh, that's the corresponding move. The problem is it takes two to tango. And... Does not seem like people are crazy to play for the Boston Red Sox right now. Um, established veterans specifically. And uh, there is no guarantee that any move will be made to correspond. Could you say that Giolito and Grissom uh, is, is significantly better than a Chris Sale who can only pitch five innings a start? Absolutely. Absolutely you can. But he is a starter, and that's what we need. And as of right now, uh, there's nothing to say that uh, that that problem has been fixed other than more innings from Giolito. And uh, it could very well be that in two months, when they're in spring training, it's not even two months. I mean, pitchers and catchers report in five weeks. In five weeks, none of these guys that matter have Boston across their chests. and. We didn't really gain much in the department that we needed them the most. That's my spiel. Joey, are you with us? So, Pat, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then after this, I want to do an edition of Joey Was There. But before, before that, I don't think you did listen to the podcast because that was pretty similar to my take. While Luke and Derek were jumping up and down, I told them that this move only makes sense if you're trading or acquiring another starting pitcher. That's the only way it makes sense. Otherwise, you're trading a guy with, I mean, I'd like to say upside. He's, he's done me wrong so many times. 
he's like a bad he's like an abusive boy, ex-boyfriend he really is i mean he, he comes back then he leaves then he comes back it's it's terrible i'm emotionally scarred from him but he's been on this team he's has ace upside he pitched relatively well, except when his arm blew out, which I think is something you have to talk about. And the guy was throwing 90 miles per hour at the, at the end of the season. You get rid of him. Who's who? He, who's even our ace on paper? Who's our ace on paper? Who's going to start opening day? Bayo? Giolito? It doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I think we're going to end up with someone. I think it's going to be Imanaga, who I'm not really that enthused about. Is a fly ball pitcher. This is going to be his first year. I don't love it, but uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense without signing a new starting pitcher. Unless, of course, you're really into Cutter Crawford, you're really into Tanner Houck this season, which is possible, but I don't believe they are. So, yeah, getting rid of Sale didn't make a ton of sense. Maybe it was such a good deal, they just felt like they couldn't turn it down. But, uh, the move doesn't make sense without acquiring a frontline ace. And now they're talking about signing Strowman. So it's like, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been walked along the path from, from Yamamoto to Montgomery to Snell to Imanaga, and now they're walking us down the Strowman path. I, I just, I, I don't believe we're going to end liars, up on this the Josh the thieves. Path. I mean, like it's not, it's not, yeah, yeah, and you know, I. It's insane. It's insane. They go ahead. I don't think you can hear me. Um, you know, it's oh, it's insane. We're gonna end up on the Josh Winkowski path. I mean, they're gonna be convincing us all of these. We've already heard Strowman. Who? Oh, we're on delay. Okay, I'm just gonna pause. <laughs> all right, this is a great episode for the folks at home. Um, I want to jump in here. It's it's fun to goof on Chris Sale. We've been doing it on this podcast for years. Um. But here are the numbers. Thanks, Peter Gammons, who also said that it was his 2003 season. But the numbers are, are true. Um, he pitched four games against Baltimore. They wrecked him. He pitched to a 10.06 ERA in those four games. That is a team that can hit and win 101 games and the division. Versus everyone else, every other start he had that was not against the Baltimore Orioles. A 3.21 ERA. Now listen, is that ace stuff? No. Do I need ace stuff from Chris Sale at this point? Probably not. I'll take a 3-2-1. I will. I mean, that's that's great for him and what he's been through the past couple of years. Granted, short starts, five innings a start, whatever it is, right? But he's pitching well against every team except for one, that one team being very good. It's not like, you know, the... Uh, the uh, Miami Marlins had his number or something, right? Um, that's a team that he faced a lot because they're in the same division, and and they smoked them. And I was, I'll do an addition if Pat was there. I was at one of those games where they just smoked him. I mean, they went up like six nothing on him in the first two innings. It was it was terrible um, here in Baltimore. Uh, he can pitch well. He's not a bum. He's not uh, gone. He's just not. And uh, and he. He was giving us something that we needed, and um, I don't know. I like Cutter Crawford. I do. I'm, I've been uh, rooting on Josh Winkowski for for uh, uh, years now, basically ever since that Chicago start in 22. Pat, do you mind if uh, I interrupt real you? Real quick. But um, they, none of them have ever been or will ever be Chris Sale. Go ahead. T. Oscar Hernandez has just signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for one year and $24 million. How do you feel about that? So that's How do you feel gone. about that, Joey? Were you, were you looking for T. Oscar? <laughs> no, I hate him. I didn't, I didn't want him. He was a 200-strikeout guy. But uh, that's just another Dodgers signing it's just crazy it's just it's insane uh, Derek and Luke are going to be mad because they both love him but I hate him so oh wow that's real I thought you were just kidding that the Dodgers no. signed another free Derek agent oh my god another 23 <laughs> I haven't gotten the yeah. notification yet um crazy. anyway John you haven't gotten a chance to talk about uh any of these Red Sox moves so I'll let you jump in here 
So I want to say something to all the listeners at home, because this doesn't happen very often, but I actually agreed with Luke in a sense, a, a little bit. I thought Chris Sale, it's an addition by subtraction for the Red Sox, and here's why. It does give Craig Breslow some rotation flexibility, because if they keep Chris Sale, you because of the money he's making, you basically have to pencil him in as your number one starter for a guy that's likely going to get hurt again. Now, Craig Breslow, I think there's a new general manager. I don't think there's a ton of pressure. They're not, I don't think Red Sox fans are expecting to go to the World Series this year. So now you have the option as a guy, Craig Breslow, former pitcher, supposed to be a pitching guru to some extent anyway. Now he has the ability to start building a rotation it, the way he wants to build it. Uh, it kind of, so kind of like what Joey was saying, the move makes sense if there's another move down the road. Uh, we haven't seen that move yet, but I do kind of think there has to be one coming because uh, Craig Breslow, being a pitcher, he he realizes how important pitching is to the game of baseball. So if assuming they make another move and it's not Marcus Stroman, like if they make a if he Craig Breslow brings in Marcus Stroman, I mean I'm jumping for joy because I think that's a horrible move for the Red Sox. Um, so that's kind of the way I was taking it. I think it gives him the opportunity to build a rotation. Maybe he's going to build a little bit of a younger rotation. Maybe he's going to go a little bit deep and give different guys, you know, bring give different minor leaguers chances as the years goes on. You know, someone that might not be pitching in April or May might be pitching in August and September. Uh, you know, one of the, I don't know the farm, the Red Sox farm system. I do believe Joey knows the Red Sox farm system better than anybody here on the podcast. But um, it, it was unquestionably. So that being said, I don't know the Red Sox farm system. I don't know what pitchers are going to be there later in the season. But I think there has to be – I do believe there's a plan because you're not trading Chris Sale for nothing. Now, that being said, I don't know what to make of the Vaughn Anthony Grissom uh, deal because I just don't believe the Braves are trading – if you know, I think Luke called him if he's going to be an impact bat and a really good player. I mean, maybe, but maybe they just traded kind of a backup infielder that has an okay bat. Like maybe they just traded an Eduardo Nunez or Rob Schneider who did put up really good minor league numbers, but didn't necessarily translate to the major leagues. And the Braves are one of the shrewdest organizations in baseball, if not the shrewdest. Uh, so it's hard for me to think that they're trading an impact player for a guy that's going to be in the back end of their rotation. And if they really, if he, this guy really, if they rated him as highly as Luke and Derek are rating him, neither of who know the Red Sox farm system as well as Joey. Um, then I think if he was re- really rated that high, then they might've made a move for a better pitcher, like a Dylan C's or a Corbin Burns. Uh, and he, they would have packaged him along those lines. So that was kind of the way I was looking at that. Like, well, maybe they don't rate Vaughn Anthony Grissom as high as uh, Luke and Derek do because I feel like they would have made a better move, that they would have traded him for somebody better than just uh, Chris Sale, who, you know, I mean, maybe Chris Sale is going to be good with the Braves, change of scenery, slot in at the back end of the rotation instead of the front end of the rotation. So I kind of took that. You know, like, I, I don't know what to make of it yet. And I guess we'll see as the season goes on. Um, now, are we going to talk Lucas Giolito, too? Because I just had a point okay. on Lucas Giolito. So, Giolito, I actually think that could be potentially a really good move for the Red Sox. Uh, kind of in the sense where I thought Verdugo could be a good move for the Yankees. Giolito's got a lot to prove. That opt-out gives him the flexibility. Uh, to he's, he's basically in a contract year. You can view it like that again. Giolito's been a good pitcher. Uh, I know he struggled this year after he got traded twice. So there were some extenuating circumstances adapting to a new situation twice, uh, going through a divorce. Like maybe that's why he struggled a bit. So I think the Red Sox made a move there where they got a guy who has a really high ceiling where he could be your number two starter. I don't think he's an ace. He might be forced into the ace role if he's pitching really well or the number one starter role. I wouldn't call him an ace. He might be forced into number one starter role. Uh, for the Red Sox, if they do bring in someone better, he could end up being the number two. So he does have good stuff. He's still uh, south of 30, and he has shown that he can pitch well in the past. So there's a high ceiling there, but there's also a really low floor. What we saw in the second half of the season, maybe that's just what he's turning into. Maybe there are arm in, uh, problems coming. Maybe there is something going on. And I 
looked up his stats. Uh, his, his, where is this? I'm sorry. I'm pulling a baseball reference here. His career stats in Fenway, two starts in Fenway with an ERA of 13 and a half. So I did not know that until I pulled up that right before we started recording. So, you know, throw that into it as well. So again, this is a move that could have a really high ceiling, a guy with a lot to prove that wants to make money, opt out after the season. He could go out and have a stellar season, or he could basically be unpitchable. So I don't know what to expect between the two. I'm hoping for the latter. I'm sure you guys are hoping for the former. So this is just going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Joe, you want to jump in here? Yeah, I uh, I've gone on a little, yeah I've I've gone on a little bit about uh, Giolito uh, and Sale already, so I'll keep this concise. Uh, I'm okay with the Giolito signing. I don't think it, it can hurt. I don't think it can hurt that much. I I think Grissom essentially projects out to be like a Verdugo type, but a second baseman. He's a right-handed hitter. He's obviously Verdugo is a lefty, but. He's going to hit like 285, maybe 20 bombs. Uh, maybe he has a little more power. Now, we're going to do a special edition of uh, Joey Was There. Pat loves Joey Was There. It's his favorite game. I was at the Vaughn Grissom debut game in Fenway Park. I watched him debut. I watched him hit the home run over the Green Monster. I was there. I saw it all happen. And I spoke to Vaughn after the game, and he said, you know, I always felt like I was going to be a Red Sox. Of course, that's a joke. But it does seem like the team is pushing is pushing that narrative a lot. That clip's being played a lot now by the team. It's 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 soon. It's going to become that he uh, stepped foot in Fenway Park and knew that was always going to be his home. But uh, I I like I can't I can't hate that move. Giolito is an innings guy. He had a divorce. He makes sense as a comeback player. But one of these days, I'd like an MLB player not to be like people. You know, they say Pat. They say, John, we're all only human. We're all flawed inherently, right? I mean, maybe not some of us. I'm not going to say anyone in particular who's not flawed. Me. All people are flawed. People are flawed. For once in a while, I just love a baseball player that wasn't flawed. Wasn't a uh, return case. Wasn't a, oh, we're going to see if we can fix him. I would just like a baseball player that's just good. Just good. There's no holes in his game. He's just good. And he's not a... He's not a guy we need to retool. He's not a guy we need to fix. He's just a good player. I would love that to be the case for the Boston Red Sox. I would love that for, the, for that to be the case for people, but that's not going to happen. But for a baseball player, can we just get a guy who's just good and has no underlying issues? Can we just have that, please? Yeah, I think that's especially true of the Red Sox fan base over the past couple of years. A lot of reclamation projects, a lot of defending. I mean, we've spent the, the entirety of this podcast trying to defend moves like Jackie Bradley Jr., like Corey Kluber, like James Paxton, like Kike Hernandez. Um, and it's been tough. It's been tough to do that. Um, and so I'm with you. And I, Giolito, to me, was that guy. Um, I think, he, obviously, he was he was really, really bad in the second half last year. But he's playing for teams that were bad, um, you know, going through a lot you know, moving a different city every five games. I, I get it. I think in general, he's been that guy. I have no problem with this signing. I really do not. Um, I think it's a good signing. I would say plus one. I think that trading sale away is minus one in terms of your starting pitcher problem. Um, and so now you're no longer one move away. You're two, you're still two moves away. Um, and uh, it just, it, it just does not make sense to me right now. And you, you just have to go get one of those guys. I mean, you're you're right, Joey. Like I'm I'm at the point where it's like Stroman, sure. Um, but we don't know what's going on with Montgomery. We don't know what's going on um uh with Snell. Not a lot has really happened on, on those fronts. They've been linked with all the same teams that everyone is linked with. Um so we'll see. But if if this is the way that it turns out, um this is it's a it is a they did not fix a major issue with the team. Um, okay, what else we got? I feel like, oh, Joey, I have a question for you, actually. Um, we were talking about shedding payroll, uh, making a joke about it if we own the team, but apparently that is the Breslow mandate right now to bring the payroll down. 
um, talks of trading Masataka Yoshida just one year into his contract, uh, talks of trading Kenley Jansen, the last close we've had in, in, in years. Um, Joey, what do you think about the, the potential of these guys being on the move? So I tweeted the other day that I feel like I'd rather keep Duran than Yoshida. And, you know, that, that led to some controversy in, in, in my comment section. Most people actually ended up agreeing with me. But I, I would want to be trading Yoshida for the right reason. I would want to be trading Jansen for the right reason, not to shed payroll, but to pick up, you know, a starting pitcher, right? If the Red Sox traded Yoshida for a frontline starter, that would make sense as a move to me. I would understand that, and I would be okay with that. If they trade Yoshida for uh, a, a prospect who's maybe on his way to the MLB, a ceiling, a high ceiling, low floor guy, like we've been riddled with for the last few years, I, I don't think this team is committed to seriousness. This team is not committed to being serious. Uh, Breslow has this mandate, allegedly. I, I cannot believe that's actually been leaked out. So part of me thinks it's not true because if that didn't leak during Hein Bloom's tenure, that there was like a number. I mean, obviously at the beginning we all knew what he was doing; he was cutting payroll. But the last couple of seasons, there was there was there was never a leak that he had a number. If it's leaked that Craig Breslow has a number, I think that that's a little interesting. But it seems the Red Sox aren't committed to winning; they're not. And I have never been a fire ownership—not fire ownership. I've never been like a sell the team guy. I think those guys are kind of crazy and ungrateful but you do wonder to a point after all of this after all of this last five years they're gonna look at us in the face and tell us to cut payroll they just fired their jam they're gonna tell order him to order the new guy to cut payroll you know in 2019 we had 84 wins we were better in 2019 than we were in 2022 and 2023 what progress have we made since then has a single Heimblum draft pick even played yet? No. Has a single Heimblum international amateur played yet? No. All the guys we've seen all come from Dave Dombrowski still. So it just makes you wonder, what were we doing? What was the point of all that? And when do we accept that maybe this is just the new, <laughs> this is the new vision of the team, is to be treated like a financial asset? Because it's pretty clear now that the Red Sox are viewed as part of a portfolio and that John Henry's interested in Liverpool. He bought a hockey team. They're looking for an NBA team. We're an asset. And you want your asset to make a certain amount of money. And maybe it's the backbone of the, the money-making operation. I mean, we, we, we can't look past that. The Red Sox probably support a ton of other financial ad, ad, adventures that John Henry goes off on. But if the Red Sox don't blow over the tax this season, which they're not going to, it seems like this point. It just doesn't seem like they're serious about winning. I will say, Pat and John, that I will give credence to this because I, I, I did criticize uh, Heimblum, the worst GM in our history, probably, other than Harry Frizee, that in 2022, I criticized him for going over the luxury tax because they went over by like $2 million. It didn't make sense. It, it just, it didn't make sense. Why were we going over if we were just going to go over by, by a, a marginal amount? It didn't make sense. And then we proceeded not to get under it. So I will say I'd rather have them below the tax by 5 million than above the tax by 5 million. Because at least it gives us that flexibility and the hope that they will just blow through it next season. But it seems like a really dark day to be a Red Sox fan. And it seems like our descent into the middle market, we're, we're becoming a middle market team. It's very sad. John, your thoughts on everything Joey said and the uh, potential trade of Yoshida and Kenley? Uh, I mean, I hope I, I what Joey, everything Joey just said about the state of the Red Sox makes me so happy. Uh, in a sense, as a Yankees fan, as a member of Bleacher Rawls, you want the rivalry to be like really there and kind of like I, I've I've said it and I've uh. You know, Luke has attacked me for it. I just don't think John Henry is necessarily interested in winning right now. I think for a while there, there was that uh, sibling rivalry in Boston with uh, John Henry and the Patriots uh, with Robert Kraft, where 
like the Patriots were winning. So John Henry need, was trying to keep up. And now the Patriots have kind of fallen off. It seems like John Henry's okay just being be- simply just being better than the Patriots. The Patriots were a horrible team this year. If the Red Sox are a 500 team, they're better than the Patriots, therefore the number one team in Boston. So uh, that's kind of my yeah, theory but John, on Celtics, John Henry's attitude. The Go Celtics for it, Joey. and What's the up? Bruins, they were both. The Celtics and the Bruins, they were both like the best teams in their sport or up there. So that's what makes it so much more frustrating is that they're not competing with the Celtics and they're not competing with the Bruins performance wise. It's only been the Patriots is I, I, I don't know, but it's sad because a whole new generation of fans, you go, you're a bad team for five years. And John, you'll completely get this as a Yankees fan. You're a bad team for five years. Kids just aren't going to be interested in you. They're just not going to be interested in you. They're not going to be become fans ever. They're not going to become baseball people. All of these Red Sox and Yankees fans were made in the 90s and early 2000s because they watched their teams win and be successful, right? And if they had a bad year or two, they'd get really angry. But if they're never good, it's impossible almost to become interested. So my thing with that is, though, and I don't know, because I don't live in Boston, so I don't really have the vibe of what's going on in Boston. It's always been such a baseball city. Like, no matter what, the Red Sox could have finished they didn't have a ton of last place finishes just from like 1918 to 2004. Right. Like they were always at least the middle of the pack, if not at the top of the division. Uh, so they're always, a, I always viewed Boston as a baseball city. And even though the Celtics won like 35 NBA championships during that span, the Red Sox were number one, you know, the Bruins had Bobby Orr and were the best team in, you know, won multiple Stanley cups, Red Sox were still number one. And they were never really challenged by any outside team until the Patriots came along. So I guess maybe that's just kind of my take on it. And why, but and I just assume, and again, I'm not there, so you, you can talk more to that. But to me, I just assume Boston is just going to go right back to being a baseball city. But, you know, if they're not winning and they are having some of the worst seasons they've really ever had, I guess that could make sense why younger generations of fans might not be that interested. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so sad, right? The Red Sox, in theory, and I think you're probably right, there was a lot of competition between the Red Sox and the Patriots for attention, which the Red Sox lost eventually. But that's just because football is more generally popular. The Red Sox should be capitalizing right now on the fact that the Patriots are for the first time in 25 years, 20 years. Terrible. Awful. Right? The Red Sox should be capitalizing on that. The Red Sox should be going out there and trying to soak up as much attention as they can and replacing them. But they're not. They don't seem terribly interested in it. And it's it's just, it's hard for me. And I, I tweeted this the other day, and I want your take on this, Pat. Do you think John Henry gets embarrassed? You know, I think for Bob Kraft, so much about the Patriots is, is wrapped up in ego and wanting to look good and wanting the team to win because it makes him feel good and people think he's a hero. Do you think John Henry has that at all? Do you think John Henry, when he goes to a fancy cocktail party, and maybe here's here's someone joke about how the Red Sox are in last place. Do you think that really gets to him, or do you think he doesn't care? I don't think he cares. Um, I think that there are owners who are owners because they like the sport. Um, and not that's the only reason, right? Um, obviously, Steve Cohen, the, the clear example in baseball. But um, you know, you've got Jerry Jones, you've got you know Robert Kraft. Like these are guys who um, who genuinely care. Um, I, I think it's just a business thing for Fenway Sports Group. Like, I don't think that they care at all. I mean, they're never there. They're never there. They're never there in press conferences to defend stuff. Um, I mean, the, the the last time a majority of them were in one place at the same time in terms of Red Sox stuff was um, uh, the, the Rafi press conference, which kind of just felt like obligatory. Like, um, you have to because this is the guy that you're saying is your marquee guy for the next 10 years. So... Um, you have to, but otherwise I don't think that they're, they're all going to be in the same room at the same place until, you know, a, a, a world series. Like, I just don't think that they care. <laughs> and that's like, I'm not really going to hold that against them. Um, I don't think like they're businessmen, like that's fine. That's what they do. Their lives revolve around making money. It is peculiar though, when the other teams are, are good and spend money. Um, and it does like acting like a small market team is weird. 
it's just weird. I mean, to your, uh, to your point of how long can you be bad? You ever met a die hard Colorado Rockies fan? Like literally ever once in your life? No, I've never met one. I'd love to talk to one. Um, because it's very difficult to be one. Um, and like, we're gonna, we're gonna start getting to that point. I mean, uh, uh, three last place finishes over the past four years, gonna start getting to that point where, um, there's just nobody, nobody cares. Ownership doesn't care. Fans doesn't care. And like, we are, we are right on, on the precipice. So, um, now is not the time to be, um, in my mind, in terms of public image, in terms of public image trading, uh, guys who won world series, but what do I know? Uh, Joy, no, you won't want to throw one more thing in here. So apparently, so the Dodgers signed Tioscar for one year, 25, roughly. The Red Sox were not competitive, but they offered him two years, $28 million. So that's, that's how far away they were with, with Tioscar. Uh, just, just more sad news. I mean, I didn't particularly want him, but at this time, I'm at this point. I mean, I'm tired of seeing the team lose in baseball. I'm also tired of seeing the team lose in free agency. I want them to just win a negotiation. But yeah, the Red Sox offered him two years, twenty-eight, which is pathetic compared to what he got from the Dodgers. I mean, it's not even in the same ballpark. And he gets to play for the Dodgers and, uh, and you know, have a much better shot at winning a World Series. It's a win-win, absolutely. Um, John, anything you want to put on here to wrap this up? Uh, wait, are we switching to the Yankees or just asking uh, if I have anything way, else to whatever, say about Whatever the you want to jump in with, go for it. All right, cool. I'll switch to the Yankees then because we're getting towards the end and we haven't talked to Yankees at all. Not like they've given us a lot to talk about. The Yankees had their big move earlier in the season, uh, earlier in the offseason by trading for Juan Soto, traded a bunch of prospects. There are ne- Michael King and a bunch of prospects who are never going to pitch for the Yankees. Like, let's be honest here. The Yankees don't utilize their prospects. So it was all a wash. They basically got Juan Soto for one year for Michael King is the way I'm viewing it. Uh, so now the big question is, do the Yankees do anything else this offseason? They were in on Yamamoto. Didn't happen. They still probably should address starting pitching, though the AL, the American League looks a bit weak this year. Uh, you know, it looks like the Astros might be taking a step back. Um, I don't know really what to expect. You never know what to expect out of the Rays. Uh, Baltimore looks good, but that, they did one year. Uh, so I think the Yankees are probably viewing themselves as competitive as is. Thinking last year was a bit of an aberration. They added two left-handed bats with Soto and Verdugo. I forgot to mention Verdugo. Um, two contact bats, lower strikeout guys. So they did address some needs, and there's probably, ideally, you'd like to see them bring in the starting pitcher. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. Trade market, I don't know if that's going to happen because they did unload a lot of top prospects to get Soto. So maybe that's not happening. And then you look at the free agency. So the Yankees would have really two choices when it comes to starting pitching, uh, Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. So, well, really we'll say one choice because if I'm Jordan Montgomery, I'm not coming back to the Yankees. You know, like I'm a Yankees fan. Jordan Montgomery did not grow up a Yankees fan. So I'm sure there's a bit of a bitterness there. Like you didn't believe in me. You never gave me a chance to pitch in the postseason. And when I did get my chance, I showed you that I could do it. So I'm not coming back to you. Like if that's Jordan, I would assume that's Jordan Montgomery's mentality. Or if you do want me to come back, you're going to pay for it. So like, you know, if I'm offered $150 million from Team A, you're going to have to pay $190 million to sign me. Otherwise, forget it. I'm going to the other team. So I don't think Jordan Montgomery is realistic. That basically leaves Blake Snell. Snell's a Scott Boris guy, so he's going to want to get paid. He's going to want his money. I don't think the Yankees should invest the money it would probably take, this, uh, the money that Scott Boris is going to want to sign Blake Snell. I think if the Yankees could kind of get a deal on Blake Snell, sure, go for it. I know his walk total really kind of rose this year, but he also won a Cy Young. He had a pretty low ERA. He's AL East experienced, which is like that's something that I always value. Because a pitcher that pitches in the AL East has gone to war 
in all of these ballparks. So, you know, you're going to have to face the, you know, yeah, he pitched all those years in Tropicana. Uh, He knows what it's like to pitch in Fenway. He knows what it's like to pitch in Yankee Stadium. So he knows what it's like to play for those god, pitch in front of those god awful fans in Toronto, or some of the worst fans in the country, and well, not in the country, in the in baseball. Um, so he's AL East tested. So there are there is upside to Blake Snell. I just don't think the Yankees are going to spend the money to go there. Uh, they had Rodon kind of blow up in their face, kind of Rodon completely blew up in their face last year. I know they're hoping he can come back and kind of you know, be like the comeback player of the year in a sense. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that happens, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. So I think the Yankees, I think if anything, Cashman's going to try to go shopping in the clearance heap. Like he's going to try to make a deal for some sort of reclamation project pitcher. Uh, he's done it repeatedly in the past. Um, he always likes to bring in, guys that are analytically smart to show you how smart he is or analytically savvy to show you how smart he is. I don't think he's really has a very good track record of that. And one thing I, we saw a few weeks ago that we didn't talk about Masahiro Tanaka was in New York recently attending a Brooklyn Nets game. Shoot. I would love it to see the Yankees bring back Masahiro Tanaka. I never thought they should have let him leave to begin with. So, um, you know, maybe that's the, that's the card they're going to play. What was that? Is he still I, I pitching? I thought yeah, he was he's pitching in Japan. No, he's oh. in Japan. He went back to Japan. Like, during the COVID, like, him and his wife went back to – or after COVID, whatever it was, like, around that era, they wanted to go back to Japan. So, um, who knows? Maybe Tanaka comes back to the Yankees. I would love to see that. So, there should be a move in the works, but I'm not convinced there is. Oh, it looks like I'm the only one here. Everybody else is frozen. I can keep talking about the Yankees. Um, I do think Brian Cashman's an idiot, and I do I'm think here, he's probably going to screw this up. So, um, <laughs> do you think I'm he's sorry? I, I was trying to look up. Uh, Riverside is, does not like us. I was trying to look up um, Tanaka's Japanese stats, and then I got stuck um, stuck in the other tab. Um. In uh, no, I have in no 2023, idea what his stats are right now. He, yeah, uh, I don't think he pitched that... a four nine one ERA, eighty one strikeouts in a hundred and thirty nine in the third innings. Pretty bad. <laughs> Sounds like a Yankee. And he's got to be what? He's got to be. He was thirty one in twenty twenty. Thirty five. Thirty two. Thirty three. Thirty four. So he'd be thirty five now. Uh-huh. <laughs> one year deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Joe. Anything you want to throw in here about any of that before we log off? No, just uh, let's wait for things to get interesting or not interesting. I guess. Yeah, that's my prediction. Uh, not interesting. Everyone, every, Montgomery, uh, Snell. Um, you know, they'll bring Kike back. Everyone's going to the Dodgers. Everyone's going to the Dodgers. Um, that is my I will be proven right one day. <laughs> my wife. Even, yes. even Masahiro yeah. Tanaka's yeah, exactly. going to the Dodgers. Um, anybody, if you're looking for a new job, I think that they're they, they... oh, wait, one thing, one thing, one thing. I crushed Derek <laughs> at MLB the show 14 to 3 or something. Hit like eight home runs off of him. I tore Derek up. So I'm better at being a nerd than Derek. So there you what go. If, there's no better way to end it. So we're going to log off from there. Um, this is your new Sunday night, Monday morning crew, Wi Fi issues and all. We will be here every Sunday night, Monday morning, um, at least through the rest of this offseason together. Um, talking about all the moves that do not transpire and instead transpire with other teams. It's going to be great. You're going to want to be there with us every step of the way. All the ways to do that, you can like a, or a, a, a hit subscribe, rate us five stars, leave us a nice review on your podcast app of choice. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, the episodes will just pop up straight onto your phone. 
YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. Our main social media hub is Twitter. You can find all of our Twitter pages in the description of this episode. YouTube coming back in February with our 30 for 30, uh, 30 teams in 30 days series. I always want to call it 30 for 30. That's not, that's another thing. Um, 30 teams in 30 days series. Um, where we're going to talk about all the teams across the league. Um, you're going to want to be with us every step of the way. We are, believe it or not, like I said, like five weeks away from pitchers and catchers. So things are going to happen fast. We're going to be there and then we'll be there through the season as well. We hope you will join us. I'm going to sign off for these guys. My name is Pat for Joey, for John. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Hope you had a good new year, all those happy holidays and, uh, and we're ready for 2024 with you there with us. And the outro thing's not going to work, so I'm just going to say goodbye. (laughs) Check out Bleach.